0: Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us, and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word,
1: It has been a while since we have recorded a critical conversation, but now we're all back in St. Louis, Missouri, actually, for a conference, and we get a chance to discuss some things again. So, in this episode of Critical Conversations, we are discussing the famous term "hands-on learning." It's such an inappropriate, <laughs> it's such an inappropriate learning term. dramatic. Yeah. I am arguing. It wasn't creepy until oh. you said. <laughs> Hopefully it is creepy. Yeah. I just, being a person that studies experiential learning, hands-on learning gets so misused. I feel like it gets used, it's everything. It becomes everything. Everything we do is hands-on learning, no matter what. And I just think it's important for us to, if that is such an essential part of our program, then what exactly does it mean? And how do we... Measure if it's happening, and or is just are we always hands on learning? And so that's the critical conversation as we as a profession and ag teachers, and as all of us talk about hands on learning is that a term we should keep using? Is that a term we should modify? Is there a need to better describe what that looks like? What does a hands on method look like when I'm training teachers? You know, what does it look like when I train someone to teach hands on? I don't know, it's a big mess. So that's the debate.
0: So it was kind of fun. So getting ready for this, I did a quick Google search. I'll just put in hands on into the, the Google machine. Hands on learning.
2: Okay. I'm just on <laughs> hands on. I'm making sure that you that could go
0: south fast.
1: <laughs> <there. laughs> it's a work computer. I on, wanted to make it, sure. It's
0: it a university computer, so it was fine. <laughs> and it was amazing all of the different educational things that came up. And there was really very little similarity to any of them as I was looking at them. There was like and it really became kind of a buzz marketing term. That was kind of thing how people that were trying to sell something was hands-on learning. And it went all the way from pre-K, elementary, all the way up to high school kind of stuff. And okay. so I think that's another term that not only us and I get to use, but all education is using because we think it's a cool thing to use. And it's it's a marketing thing because, of course, you know, you got their hands-on is cool, right? And hands-on is better than not hands-on. We think, but we don't know what that means, but it sounds yeah. really cool. It's like right gluten-free or whatever else.
2: Well, and I think that's why Ag Ed uses it, right? It's because they hear other teachers using it, and the administrators, when you say it, their eyes go kind of glassy. Mm-hmm. And so it's helpful for an Ag teacher if you want other people to understand what you're doing you and to value it, right, to have some kind of justification for what you're doing. Well, you can say, oh, we do hands-on. And that can mean and so just like what you found on your google search that it can mean a hundred different things i think that it means different things to different ag teachers and i i would argue so i didn't have like a class that was like hands-on learning and i never had a teacher when i was an undergrad tell me here is how you do hands-on learning right but i know i use the word Mm -hmm. so and so i might argue that there are some teachers who might be similar to me and I would say yeah I use hands-on learning but if you then said okay how and I'd be like well
1: I take my hand (laughs) and I put it on it
2: (laughs) look at my students working with their hands like if I wouldn't if you challenged me on it right then I wouldn't be able to tell you how I did you know I wouldn't have a definition for I here's how I'm conceptualizing hands-on learning I just know it's a word I use, and I could probably think of sometimes where sure. there are hands involved.
0: Well, I think part of it too is if I look back, you know, that was our, at least my excuse sometimes, that I We're doing hands on learning because I, I used to teach a semester of, of welding. And so what we did, and so we just send the guys down there, uh, down to the welding booths, and they're welding away. And I'm sitting back there kind of watching, making sure nobody catches on fire and that kind of thing. But was it learning? I don't know. Yeah, they were doing things. They were some along with some self-directed kind of stuff, but probably not every day was I doing the the best job that I could to actually guide that instruction. And that's I think that's the real thing that sometimes. You know, oh yeah, we're going to send the kids out to go weed the garden, which I hear a lot of folks do. Which yes, the garden needs to be weeded, or a fence needs to be fixed, or whatever else let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's maintenance. We have to do that kind of stuff. Let's find a way to do that. But it may not be hands-on learning because how many times do you need to pull weed or are you really talking about why you do it? And are you actually meeting some learning objectives? Are you actually teaching something while we're there? And I'm not saying those other things don't need to be done because I I get it, they do. But I think it waters down what we mean when we talk about hands-on learning when we say it's everything we're doing, just because we're, same thing with active learning and same thing with experiential learning. I think we use these terms interchangeably and, inappropriately most times
2: so but when you're saying like that there's uh we're doing ourselves a disservice because we're doing these things i mean psychomotor skill development is learning Mm -hmm. right so do you think there is learning If, if what i'm saying right as the teacher i'm saying we're gonna go weed the garden right so i remember taking students out and we were going to plant seeds And so I gave students, um, you know, they had shovels and little spades and things. And I said, okay, go ahead. And, you know, each student had a row. And, like, I was working with a group. And then I turned around and was shocked to find all my students working as though they were in a chain gang and making, like, two-foot trenches. And I was like, what seeds are you planting here? So obviously there's some kind of learning that goes on with the actual, like, skill development. But is that not enough?
1: Well, so here's my my – my bone to pick with hands-on learning is in the welding example in the planting example we know that kolb's experiential learning cycle which is really what we're talking about with hands-on learning is it's experiential it's hands-on and i think i know what we all mean it means you know, it's the opposite of this sit-and-get mentality that just is pervasive in our schools. We all know it. Sometimes I was that guy teaching that way. But I think it's saying it's trying to distinguish ourselves as different than sit-and-get information. But I, when we say hands-on, so Kolb's model has four modes. And the first is concrete experience, and that means sensation. I am hearing, I am seeing, I am smelling, I am taking in with my senses um, some experience, which in the greenhouse, you know the smell of the greenhouse, you know the, the feel of the greenhouse, you know, you feel the moisture. I can almost smell the greenhouse right now just talking about it. That those are the senses. Then whatever happens to us out in the greenhouse, the next thing is that reflective observation. We think about what's happening, and then the third is. We make sense of what's happened. We, we create a belief or a theory of some kind, and then we live our life, which is the next section, active experimentation. So as a teacher, kids come to us with held beliefs already, and we try to provide them an experience, get them to think about it, to try to shake up some of their beliefs and maybe, I, I use the word wise, we make their beliefs more wise, so then they can work in a greenhouse in a more wise way.
2: That so we're informed.
1: Right. And I would say hands-on learning is just one-fourth of that process. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we – I think it merits the conversation if we say we're hands-on. I think that's great, but I also hope your mind's on, Mm -hmm. which is what we've talked about a lot. Because sometimes – I mean, I've been to a lot of shops helping agricultural mechanics laboratories, (laughs) um, helping student teachers – and I have seen a lot of rods being burned. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's like, put the welding rod down. Yeah. Stop. Mm-hmm. Your, your, you know, your arc is going all over the place because your metal's stuck to it. And you need to take your hands off for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And you need to sit down and learn some theory. Like there is some brain work that needs to be done to help the hands continue to develop. So I think hands-on is so imbalanced and I don't know if we ever give that the the merit that it deserves. Well, that also may go back to in that example, may go
0: back to some of our earlier conversations about how we're, we don't do a good job of reflection mm-hmm. to go back there because in that case where there, you know you're just burning rods or you're making sawdust or whatever else and things aren't working right, we don't take the time to stop, reflect, and figure out what's going on and find out what the, and how to how mm-hmm. to apply that theory and other things that are happening. We just kind of keep going, and you know the old the old thing what it's not practice that makes perfect is perfect mm-hmm. practice that makes perfect. And so we don't stop to reflect to find out what we're doing wrong in this hand we're just we figure as long as we're doing stuff. As long as, as long as we're doing stuff, we're we learning. Well, mm-hmm. maybe we're not. To,
2: yeah, the hands on and the learning are actually two different things and we focus a lot on hands on and not so much on the second half of that, which is the learning. So what you were talking about and what I was talking about as far as like what we've done with students in the past, they get that concrete experience and then another concrete experience. And they continue having a concrete experience without actually saying, okay, stop. What seeds are you gonna plant there? What you know? Let's actually look at your bead and see what this looks like and will it actually hold and actually questioning that and then taking that around to say, here's how we could, how can we do it better? And then leading back to a, another, hopefully more informed yeah. concrete experience. So maybe it's not Maybe it's not that hands-on, I don't know, maybe hands-on is the wrong word, but I would argue that maybe hands-on is the right word, but you can't leave it alone. We're not hands-on. It's got to be hands-on learning, and the two are not, um, one doesn't automatically happen without the other. Like they have to be actively pushed together.
1: Well, and, you know, you think about welding. I'm I'm all for getting your hands dirty and being hands-on first. I'm okay with that. You know, every time a kid strikes an arc and then it sticks and then they try to get it to unstick and then they...
2: You're causing me anxiety just talking about it.
1: All you see behind the helmet is little sparks everywhere (laughs) and you know it's going down bad. I can be okay with that if then we put everything down and we pull people together and say, instead of saying, get another rod and let me stand here by you, there comes a time to put it down. And I think that concrete experience of, I had a thousand volts of flaming fire in my hand and I saw sparks is all I saw. Mm -hmm. That brings a relevance. That brings a felt need to quit being a know-it-all and to know what the weld felt like. And then to process that and to be evaluated and to be given feedback and then coached to improvement. That's all great. Um, But I do think it's sparks followed by a few less sparks followed by more sparks followed by a few less sparks and never the hands off right. so you know i think we should be half hands on and half hands off <laughs> well
0: i think part two is bringing them together i mean i think yeah. too often again we'll continue down the welding example is we have classroom stuff and we have lab stuff mm-hmm. out there in the in the Ag-Mec lab and those two we, we treat them as completely separate I mean, how many times have we gone in and said, "Okay, guys, we got to get this stuff done so that we can go out to the lab to do that." Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: And, and to
1: separate it, that's and then so true. and then if
2: you if you don't do a good job, you have to go back in the classroom because learning in there is actually punishment,
1: right? Which is not hands-on, and and so we're
0: we're, yeah. we're breaking these things apart, and we're not we're not showing how they're connected. And yeah. I think that that's the big thing is we we operate them separately, you know. And, and I fell into this my last couple of years of teaching this welding class was. You know, when I first started teaching, it's like, okay, we're gonna be in the classroom and we got to get all the classroom stuff done before we even go down there yet. We have to, you know, we're not even gonna look at the out to the out of the welder yet. And they didn't want to do safety. We did all that kind of stuff, and none of it really seemed to stick.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Finally, the last couple of years I was doing it, I went down there and the very first day we were in front of a welder. And again, we had to make sure everything was safe, everything was very controlled. We put on the helmet, We had one kid grab it. And again, everybody in every welding class out there, you have some kid who thinks they know how to weld because granddad had a yeah, welder yeah, under whatever else.
2: Forever.
0: And you put them under there, and then they're the ones then shooting flames everywhere yeah. and whatever else. And you're like, then we can talk about what's going on. And this is why mm-hmm. we got to deal with the safety. This is w- what we're working with. And so there's a probably a better job of providing that concrete experience. Mm-hmm than anything else. And so it's about interchanging those rather than it's it's all abstract and then all hands on. It's really how do you we bring those two things together to reflect and apply and, and try to change those different mm-hmm. things. And it's...
2: Which is the whole thing the experiential right. learning cycle does. But, okay, so put yourself back in the role of the teacher, mm-hmm. right? I remember I was... There are teachers that teach, you know, seven periods a day or eight periods a day and they're all different, right? How, if I am not, I mean, I know I learned about the experiential learning cycle as a PhD student, Mm -hmm. which is an an incredibly fortunate experience. What do you do as an ag teacher who's listening right now and says, okay, yeah, great, sure. I'll just, in all my spare time, I'll be able to take what I currently do up to the level, right? So, because I'm thinking like we would ask a student every day or every other day, go water the greenhouse, Mm -hmm. right? If that's what I have and what I have time to do is tell the student, go water the greenhouse, how am I supposed to now go and take that and make it a meaningful opportunity that is not just hands-on, but is more minds-on? Like, how do you do that?
1: Well, for me, I think what's resonated so much with our teachers and my work has been the educator role profiles. Mm And I think if we get away from saying hands-on... And hands posted
2: on... on yeah. I'm actually looking for one of our um, Owls in Action who did a really good job with this that I wanted to mention. But we have on the al Pellets mm-hmm. page is yeah, all the, the different educator roles. role profiles, right? Yeah, those were all right?
1: pelleted. And, you know, it's, it's this idea of, like, to me, it's get away from saying hands-on. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of too easy of a cop-out. But thinking about as a teacher... Are you facilitating learning? Are you getting kiddos interested in some context or some roots that we come from? But it's also doing to learn, not just doing to do. So hopefully, um, you know, I know we might disagree a bit on, like, should we use hands-on learning as a term or not, me personally.
2: um, What would you suggest instead?
1: I think we say that we... Um, I think one thing you could say would be contextual. We're contextual. Which means if we're learning about the digestion of food in monogastric animals, we're not just learning that in a textbook, it's got a context. And that context can be the hands-on. We're gonna learn about how animals process food, but we're not just learning that as information in the animal science book, we're also seeing that in action at a laboratory. Perhaps we are feeding or mixing a ration, or, um, you know, it doesn't have to just be hands. We have other senses. You can be engulfed in a sensory experience in a digital game. You know, there's business and industry where you can virtually walk the hogpins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's research done by Dr. Bunch at University Mm -hmm. of Florida that that works. So it's not just about our hands. It's deeper than that. So I would say, you know, perhaps we are contextual
2: but can it be contextual if you're in a if you're lecturing or learning from a textbook if the textbook is about ag I mean are they the same thing?
1: I,
0: I would argue absolutely. And one of the things I was going was going to say I think too often we put this hands-on type of teaching method and we say it has to happen in a lab setting. Mm. I would say some of the most powerful and most impactful ways we can do this are smaller type learning activities that ha- may happen in a classroom setting mm-hmm. to allow them to see how to apply this knowledge and information. And I think, you know, again, you talk about what can happen in a lecture. I, I think it can if you br- build in that appropriate activity into that lecture setting. And I think a lot of times we, we, again, we think hands-on or this active learning, this contextual learning has to happen out in a lab setting somewhere and the classroom is completely, well, we're gonna do the textbook learning now mm-hmm. and then we'll go get to the fun stuff later. Yeah. We, we make that, that artificial divide where we're losing the power that we have yeah. actually in that classroom.
1: Well, it just makes me think. I once had a doctoral student professor at University of Florida that – it was Brian. <laughs> it was Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when we were learning about gear ratios, which is something that could be very easily learned out of a book. Mm-hmm. While we were learning, like we had a worksheet. We had a packet of information to read like a boring textbook and we had fill in the blanks like very well you know sometimes gets kinda of poo-pooed on bad teaching but that was on the same table as a bicycle turned upside down so as you were reading the textbook you were also being asked to change the gears of the bike and measure revolutions of the tire all together and so you know there was just a context to help me transfer and, and, and connect with what I was learning I think that's the key. If that's contextual, Mm -hmm. I would love to say, let's quit saying hands-on and let's say experiential. But when I say experiential, I think that term gets messed up too. Yeah. Yeah. Because experiential, the way Kolb defines it, is a highly integrated process that involves a lot of, I mean, he straight up says, of the four modes, like in this mode, you are lecturing and providing textbooks. And it is a very not what people think typically when they think of experiential learning so i think experiential learning is the right term but i think people have a misunderstanding of even that word i yeah. think sometimes they misapply that just like they do hands-on and the thing i think is fun about this is you know we started to think we're gonna have a critical
0: conversation about hands-on learning in ag and you know at first glance like what can be critical about that what can what kind of discussion can you have on that of course it's wonderful well i think we're showing here there's a lot more depth to it and We as ag ed teachers need to be careful about the words we use because that's sharing how people think about us. And we need to make sure we're communicating what we do appropriately so people see the value of what we're doing. And then we need to make sure that we are delivering on that value that we're promising. I think
2: that's the big part is I can say whatever words, but am I actually walking the walk? Regardless of what I'm calling it, what am I actually doing? Mm -hmm. That's really the most important.
1: We say we're hands-on, but mm-hmm. when we walk by a classroom, is it fundamentally does it look different?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Well, now that we have solved all the hands-on world <laughs> problems, yeah, and we've turned hands-on <laughs> into I'm just some go inappropriate
2: all of my teaching. <laughs> for, <laughs> for <this clears throat> that's right.
1: <semester. laughs> well, um, great conversation, and um, teachers, we're excited. Tell us what you think about hands-on learning. I mean, are we are we crazy? Are we off base? Two separate things. Okay. I, would, I think well, we're crazy. I don't know if sure we're wrong. It could be both. <laughs> i I'd, I'd also, also love
2: to know what they, um, like, when they use the term, what are they meaning? Like, when they go and tell somebody, oh, yeah, we're hands-on. Like, what what does that mean to you? Because I, I really think that teachers yeah. have a hundred different, if you ask a hundred teachers, you'll get a hundred different definitions for what they mean for it.
1: I agree. So bring it on, teachers. Talk to us about what is hands-on learning to you, and um, you can throw virtual tomatoes. Just do the little... The little frowny face. Yeah, yeah if you disagree face, with us, Or if what I said was amazing, amazing, obviously you could do the wow. <coughs> it would be a great emoji. Yeah. To put in fact,
2: me. I think they can put them through like exactly when we're talking. So oh, Marshall yeah. can even know. Or the heart. That's right. Yeah. I you like you can even know when people are um, throwing tomatoes at you.
1: I like it. <laughs> well, from right here in St. Louis, Missouri, um, our... Proxy destination today for Critical Conversations. We appreciate everybody listening. Check out the podcast also, which you can sign up for. um, Our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, um, WordPress. Make sure you're getting engaged so you can see what research is coming out. That is it.
2: One of the jobs of an ag teacher is to prepare students for their callings later in life. And for some of our students, that calling Kenming College, which we all know comes with a pretty hefty price tag. Which is why I want to share with you the Razorback Ag Academy. The University of Arkansas created the Razorback Ag Academy through the College of Agricultural, Food, and Life Sciences, specifically for high school ag students like yours. Instead of paying thousands for tuition, your students can enroll in online courses like Intro to Animal Science and Foundations of Agricultural Education for $39. The best part? They can enroll right now as high school students. If you're interested in learning more about offering the University of Arkansas's Razorback Ag Academy to your students, I'd love to talk to you about it. You don't even have to be local. It's all online. Just contact me, Kate Shoulders. My contact info is listed in the details of this podcast. You want to help your students prepare for their life after graduation, and the University of Arkansas wants to help you.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. Tips for Aggie